Welcome to Mommy Moments Uncut. A few times a month, you'll hear a bonus episode with a mom we just met. These segments are recorded with a live audience. It's interactive, raw, and uncut. We hope you enjoy the conversation today. Hello, everyone. We are getting ready to go live here in about five minutes. Welcome, welcome. My guest today is Lawan, and I'm waiting on her to get online here so she can join the conversation. And we're going to be talking about self-care. It's like a hot topic all the time. You know, we hear those words being tossed around, self-care. But the whole purpose of this live tonight is to help you make that a real thing in your life and a priority. Tips on how to incorporate some self-care ideas and habits into your life. Um, integrating it because it's not always easy to do. So as we wait for Luan to get situated, we're going to get started in about four minutes. Please, please, please share this and invite your friends to join on as well. And Luan, I just sent you the invitation, so you should be able to um, accept that. So let me know if you have any issues with it. There she is. She's connecting in three, two, one. Yay! There she oh, is. There I am. I've never done this before. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, this is so fun. This is one of my favorite things to do. And um, not only is it just fun for me, but I love being able to meet new parents. We actually have had some dads jump on these as well. Mm-hmm. So it is really cool um, to build and see who, who joins. So I'm excited. I'm giving everybody till seven before we start, but what I was telling um, our friends who have already jumped on tonight with us is that the topic is going to be obviously about self-care, but how to actually integrate those practices into our productive, productive lives and not letting the busyness and excuses get in the way of taking care of ourselves. Um, so just giving everyone a preview of yeah. what the conversation is going to be. So we're excited to hear from you. And I've got tons of questions and um, <laughs> excited for our conversation Ooh. tonight. So I appreciate you jumping on here with me. I am glad to be here. I really am. Yeah. <laughs> I am excited. I'm trying to invite people as we <laughs> as we sit here talking. I'm trying to do the same. I was trying to do that too. I was trying to invite people too. It's hard, tricky. I need to start getting moderators yes. on here with me. Thank you ladies for joining. It is seven o'clock. So we are going to get started. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining tonight. We did have to move this from yesterday. So thank you all for being flexible. And so yes, thank you on with us because I think this conversation is very important and um, necessary for all parents, not just moms. Um, yes, all parents. When we talk, yes, when we talk about self care, I am on my husband all the time um, about self care too because it is so important to encourage our husbands to do the same thing um, in a healthy way, you know, with other married yes. men. If they're married. <laughs> Obviously, yes. but you know, it's just so important. So Luan, thank you for being here. For those of you who have never been on a, a weekly live, we, um, I interview a mom um, once a week. And this is a mom that I may have never even talked to you 
um, outside of like Messenger or commenting with emojis and just having fun in this community. But I do this because I love the raw and uncut conversations. I don't want it to be scripted. And I want, Brittany said, I want to see. We'll see, boo. We'll see. <laughs> um, and then I want this, the authenticity of what we're talking, the conversation to flow. So I'm excited. So once a week we do this, Lawan is my third guest. So I'm so excited. And Lawan um, is also a mom and she's a fellow podcaster. I've listened to a couple of her episodes. So definitely check her out. She'll tell you what, how to connect with her on that end um, before we end tonight. But Lawan, tell us, you know, one thing that attracted me to Lawan was that she um, is so positive and encouraging and has great content and is always uplifted and helping others get to their goals too. She's very selfless. And I love that about her. Just that's, you know, what I have oh. gathered just from the, the couple months I've been following her. And um, so I'm excited for you and your goals and your growth. And congratulations on everything that you're doing. So thank you. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, about your home life, like your children, what you guys, you know, what you do for work and all that. Hello, everyone. So welcome to Friday night, Friday night live. Woohoo. So I am just getting in the house. I have been out all day, so I am a mess. So that's why I'm kind of in the dark because I had to relocate because everybody is here. It's okay. Usually everybody's not here doing stuff, but we are here. So I'm LaJuan and about my home life. So I am married. I've been married for almost 14 years now. Yeah, 14 years in November uh, to my high school sweetheart. So together we have three kids. Our son is 21 daughter 14 and then a daughter 12 and then there's also blended in there because you know when you're young you go back and forth and all around but that's the whole story for a whole nother day we'll be here all night talking about that so and so what i do so by day i work in a police department assisting victims of crime with receiving services so i mostly assist domestic violence victims i've been doing that for 15 years total now been at the police department for 12 years now so I see a lot of domestic violence, trauma, helping people get services, get out of their situation, going to court, providing a lot of support. I also teach for our local Victim Assistance Academy on trauma-informed care and all of that. I teach at the local university in my spare time also. And then in my spare, spare time, like I have a lot of time, I am a podcaster and a content creator. So I have a podcast called More Than a Mother Podcast where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mom at the same time. I've been podcasting for two years now, just had my two year anniversary in January. And I am all about uplifting, educating and empowering moms on their business, motherhood and life journey. So whether that is through TikTok, Instagram, content creation, my podcast, everything I do is all about just empowering moms. That's I think amazing. That about sums me up in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. You are very um, involved and productive, and I love. You guys that. are in November too. I'm looking at the comments. Our so anniversary okay, is November. So y'all, shout out Greg. I see you. Greg Embers. That's my heavy. That's my heavy. I know it's not me. We got so, November first. We're November 29th. So one thing I love about my husband, he will not ever be in a video with me. Y'all saw me trying to sneak him in there. Um, but he will support everything I do. So I love you, honey. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. But yes. So, but yeah. And here's another cool thing. What I love about these, whenever I am led to invite a mom, like I said, I don't really know the background. 
I'm also a high school sweetheart. Um, we got married um, at 22, met at 14 years old, and all have four kids together. So it is amazing, and I really feel blessed when I get to connect with other um, you know, parents that have our high school sweethearts, because that we are only 2% of the population that actually makes it this far. Um, so we'll be married in November for, there'll be our 14 year anniversary. So oh, you have right the same year. Wow. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's always a God thing. Like I just, I'm just led to ask different moms to be on these. And it just always, there's always some kind of common commonality. And I love that. It's so cool. So 21, 14, and 12. So you have a lot going on in your house with babies. I mean, I know they're older, but they're still your babies. Um, and I get that. I get that gap. We've got 17, 14. And then we have the split with the littles for the four and three-year-olds. But we are definitely on the same plane. And I just feel like with working outside the home and doing all of our entrepreneurial endeavors and everything that we want to accomplish and reaching our dreams and our goals, how do we really find time for ourselves? That is a question. It's a constant struggle for myself. I'm constantly complaining. I want more time for me. I just want to like have a day where I just don't have to think about anything. I don't even want to look at the Google calendar and see everybody's to-dos and places they got to go. So what are some things that, well, before we even get into the things, why is self-care, why is that so important? And why should we actually take that seriously and something that we should strive to incorporate in our schedules? It's a wonderful question. So self-care, I mean, it's so important because just think about it. We are the being, and this is how I describe it to people. We are the being and we give, give, give to everyone else. So we're constantly taking and pouring into others, pouring into others. But if we're not taking that time to replenish, then pretty soon we're gonna run out of stuff to pour. And then when you start running out of stuff to pour, you start feeling resentment, you start feeling misery, you start feeling bitter because you're looking at everybody else being happy and satisfied. And you're like, hey, what about me over here? And the thing is, we don't realize that if we aren't okay, then none of this means anything without us. So at the core of it, when we're talking about self-care, it's important because none of this other stuff matters, like the business, none of the roles that we have whether it's caretaker, stay-at-home mom, work, working mom, whatever your role is, none of that matters if you as the person are not okay. Just think about right. it. If you're not down flat on your back, what good are you to anybody? What good are you to yourself? None of this has a value. So at the core of it all, self-care is really a necessity. But the thing is, because as moms, because as caregivers, whatever, parents listen, not just moms, but as caregivers, we have this thing where if we stop to focus on ourselves, then it's selfish. Why do we think that? Probably because something society has ingrained in our parents and their parents before them. And it was just put into people that for some reason, when you stop to focus on yourself, it's selfish. But yet we're so busy giving it to everyone else. And it's like, how can we continue to, as they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't have an empty tank. How can we continue to do these things if we don't have anything going back inside? So to mm -hmm. me, it's just, it's so important because without self, nothing else matters that's so true and going back to the to the the go part it's almost too depending on your personality like for me um i just i enjoy work you know that's i've just always been a very driven hard-working person and it, it brings me joy to work um whatever it is i'm doing and sometimes it's almost like 
um, you feel that going back to that guilt thing, you feel guilty stopping because it's always like you have a purpose, you have a mission, your family drives you. But then it's like the refueling and the replenishing, we do the bare minimum of it, at least for me. I do the bare minimum of, okay, I got rest, but here's the amount of sleep I can get and still feel okay tomorrow instead of really getting a sleep schedule down because I know I need it and not going to bed all hours of the night and then trying to get up early and then wondering why I'm grumpy, you know, like. Right. (laughs) That is true. Yes. So I think self-care also um, looks like making the, putting those schedules in place for yourself to be successful. What would you say about that? I agree because when you think about schedules, like a lot of people don't like to stick to schedules, stick to routines. But if you don't have some type of schedule, you don't have some type of routine, then you're really just running around kind of aimlessly without goals, vision and all that in mind. But when you start to put things to a schedule, then you can start to be intentional with your time. So as you said, you're one, okay, I need to do, I'm going to do the bare minimum, the bare minimum. But the thing is, one, we're doing a whole lot more than we give ourselves credit for. And when we put it on paper, we can see just how much we're doing. Mm-hmm. But then the other part about putting it on paper, putting it into a schedule is that then you can start to see, okay, where, where do I have little pockets or opportunities of time to where I could perhaps replenish or practice some self-care because we're always going from A to B to C to D, hustle, hustle, whatever it is that we're doing. Uh And if we're not looking at a schedule, not sticking to some type of routine, like everyone doesn't have to plot everything out. But if you don't have that kind of foundation and layout in front of you, then it's like, okay, of course you're not going to have time for self-care because you have no handle on what all you have going on in life. So yeah, schedules are definitely an important part of self-care. Absolutely. So with... The feeling guilty part, right? So I think we need to address that again because, you know, there's, as moms, it's like we bear, we're like the bear of guilt. I don't know what it is. Like you said, what it is. We, we feel guilty. We have the mom guilt of feeling guilty when we're doing something for ourselves. Or if you're a stay-at-home mom, you feel guilty when you're leaving them to go maybe start working part-time or do something else outside your house. Or you feel guilty when you're working full-time and want to be home with your kids, you know, and then vice there It never stops, Right. And it's almost one of those things where I don't think it's something that will ever really go away, but I think there's a way to manage that and set up those expectations and make that more realistic and being intentional with that self-care, like you said. So what are some ways, especially for very productive women or men, parents, ways that they can start making that self-care intentional and maybe incorporating it into their lives instead of feeling like it has to be this big to do and you know a three hour day at the spa like what are some other things that can be done um to replenish so first just going back to that guilt part really quick just to touch on that then i'll touch on some ways to replenish when thinking about the guilt a lot of us suffer from guilt because we always focus on the things that we don't do or the things that we're missing out on. And we, it's really a mindset flip. So when I talk to moms about guilt, I talk a lot about mom guilt, like on my podcast and all this stuff. When I talk to people about guilt, I always say as moms, as people, we focus on what we don't do. So instead of focusing on the a thousand times we said yes to our child for singing that same song over and over again, or playing that same game over and over again, we'll put all our attention into that one time that we said no. 
And it's really a part of starting to flip our mindset to say, okay, it's all right if I say no at this time because I said yes all these other times. I'm not losing anything. I'm not sacrificing anything. No one is yeah. being cheated because I'm saying no this one time. It's really kind of like reclaiming that sense of power and reclaiming that sense of self to realize you have the right to stand as an individual being. So that's when the guilt, you can start to kind of flip that script by starting to have a different view on it. Like, okay, I may have said no this time, but what about the time, hundred times I said yes the day before? Right. That is one part that I say when it comes to guilt and starting to kind of change that script and things that we believe in our head. And then in terms of being intentional and practicing self-care, I think a lot of us discount the things that can count for self-care. So my favorite form of self-care, which I tell all people, if you can get a pocket of time, 10 to 15 minutes, because I'm like, okay, I can't do 30 minutes. That's too much. Okay, start with five minutes. Start with 10 minutes. In between errands. So say if you get to go to the store by yourself or wherever, or if you're working and you're leaving work, before you pull out that uh, parking lot or before you go into the next store, sit in your car for five minutes. Just sit there, sit in, have a time of doing nothing. If you want to scroll your phone, do that. But start with five or 10 minutes before you're going to that next errand, you're rushing rushing to that next destination, getting to this next activity, build in that buffer time. And that is one way that I started with self-care when I really didn't have an idea, okay, how can I do this? I need to find something that's easy to do because I feel like I have a lot going on. Okay, I'm going to build in buffer time. So when I come out of work, I want to sit in my car and give myself 10 minutes to sit here before I pull off to go home. And Mm -hmm. giving myself that time, it was a little pocket of time, but I felt refueled and replenished enough to go ahead and start conquering my evening. Yeah. So that is one easy way to kind of squeeze it in. Then another way, I know a lot of people don't like getting up early. And then there are some people that will like to stay up late. But I say have a morning routine or have some type of evening routine, because if you can even get up and when I tell people, oh, I can't wake up 30 minutes earlier, I don't want to stay up 30 minutes late. Again, start with five minutes. Let's do building blocks. So start with five minutes at a time and then add another five minutes on the next week. And then perhaps you work your way up to 30 minutes to where if you get up 10 minutes earlier than your kids or before you have to really start your day, then you can take time to center yourself. If you're If you believe in prayer, you can pray, meditate, you can journal, you can sit there in silence, just some kind of way to kind of center yourself to get your day started. Because I know that I have to have that time in the morning, even if I just get five or 10 minutes, because that helps me set the course for my whole day. And then if you're not a morning person, flip it and do it in the evening before you go to sleep. Give yourself five or 10 minutes. And yes, it's like a little pocket of time. But to somebody who never takes any time, that five or 10 minutes can make a difference. And then you can add on to it and build on it. But so many of us feel that it has to be an all or nothing thing. So I have to do 30 minutes to an hour or I just can't do anything at all. Yeah, that's so good. And I love the ideas that, yes, it's so important, Tasha. Um, I love the idea that you said, just take 10 minutes to journal, just take five minutes to breathe and get your mindset switched over from you working all day, having to go, you know, be with your family and, and do the nighttime dinner evening routine thing, you know, with your fam. So I like that. What are some like other ideas that parents can do for self-care? Like what are, if there are people that might be struggling to figure out like, what does that look like for me? Like, I don't even know where to start because they've just neglected themselves for so long. 
So I think an important question that a lot of mothers and specifically, but probably parents, but mothers specifically, the one question I think that everyone needs to ask yourself is, what do I like to do? And that is a hard question for someone that's been a caregiver for all this time. But it goes back, a lot of self-care goes back to the things that you enjoyed when you were younger, when you were a kid, the things that brought you joy, that were kind of your outlet, that as Tasha said, we forget those. Yeah. But a good place to start, if you're like, I have no idea what this self-care thing is, sitting by myself is not going to work for me. Okay, that may not work for you. So sit there and look at yourself, get a phone, look in the mirror and say, okay, self, Luan, what do I like to do? And you may find yourself sitting there for a while not being able to figure out. You may have to revisit the question. But the thing is, when you get back to the core of what do you like to do, then you can start to find those things that you enjoy for self-care because self-care is different for everyone. Just because I like to sit by myself, you might find self-care going out and being in a whole group of people and socializing. That may be self-care to someone. So you have to get back to the core and really start to do like that self-check, that self-reflection, get that self-awareness of, okay, what do I like to do? What brings me joy? Where do I find peace? And then that will give you the building blocks to start saying, okay, this is stuff that I can do that will fill up my tank and make me feel like I can better contribute to my family, work, whatever it is. I can show up as my full self. That is so good. And that is so, you're so right. Like, especially young moms, when did you have your first child? I had my first child when I was 18. Yeah. So I had my first child when I was 19. And so when you are a young mom, and you probably might agree that when you're a young mom, you have to grow up very quick and figure it out. And you're already still a child, having a child. And so getting into that mindset and routine of being a caretaker outside of yourself and trying to figure out how to even be a mom and a parent. And at the time I wasn't married. I was, it was years down the road before I even got married. Cause that was a whole nother thing I had to tackle. Like, uh, I was yes. just trying to figure out, <laughs> I have a human in my body. So exactly. we got to figure this one out first. But when you're a young mom and you've been grinding for so long and it's so easy because I was at a point where it's just like I turned around from 19 to 25. I was like, the these last five years have gone by so fast. And just, you know, just learning, the learning curve, just everything. And it's like, you go from that being so young into mid-20s and then you turn around. It's like, what happened? Like, I haven't done anything that's really brought me joy outside of being a mom. I have, haven't gone to see a play. I haven't been in a play. I haven't you know, for me, I haven't done anything that I love, like besides going out to dinner every once in a while with a friend, but truly having a hobby. And it's the same thing when I ask a lot of my friends or other people I meet, like, what do you could do for fun? Literally it takes people like 10 minutes to even answer that question. It does. And it I really would love does. to see parents get back to being able to immediately say, well, in my spare time, I like to X, Y, and Z, you know? I love to do this. I love to do that. It's like almost like it gets a race because you've just been having blinders on and this parenting grind and it shouldn't be that way. Right. And I agree. And on that young mom part, I think a lot of that also is one, we have to grow up. Like I tell people, I literally went from a teenager with no responsibility to be responsible for a whole human overnight. <laughs> and it's that to me, it was that thing of, okay, I'm not going to be a statistic. I don't care what they say about teen moms. Girl. I'm going to 
grind at this mom thing. And then, like you said, you look up and I'm 26, about to get, uh, about to have my uh, second child. And I'm like, okay, had another child. 28, had my uh, last child, got married when I had her. And then it's like, once I have all these kids, I'm like, okay, like you said, well, what happened to all these years? But it's because I feel that we get that mindset of, I'm not, I'm going to reach these goals. I'm not going to be statistic. Nobody's going to keep me down. So I'm going to grind at this mom thing. And I think no matter what age, especially like when you're young, but even as older moms, it's like, I'm a first time mom. I'm going to show out at this mom thing that I put everything into that. And then one day I step back, like, wait a minute, what happened? I don't even recognize myself. Yes, that's so good. And Latasha says, our kids need to see us have a life outside of mom life. And it gives us balance. I totally 100% agree with that. Because I remember growing up with my mom, I it was like, I never really knew what she really liked. And so I got like older, and I like asked her those questions, like, Mom, like, what do you really like to do? Like, what have what were your dreams? What were your goals? Like, I never saw her really enjoy her time outside of the home. And I told myself, like, I, I do not want to be like that. Like my kids are going to know what I, what I've enjoyed and they're going to see me do it. I want to involve my children, you know, into the things that I love to do too. It doesn't have to be this separation all the time either. I think, I think it's a good thing to involve them and let them understand okay, well, when I leave, when mommy leaves for two hours, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm trying out for a play. I'm going to audition for this and I'm going to be on stage. And in six months, you get to come watch me, you know, or whatever the case is, because I think, like Tasha said, that's so important. And yeah, yeah. Now the balance word, I see that getting tossed around a lot. I, what is your take on balance? I have a lot of opinions because I feel like it's this ideal thing that is never really going to be reached. I don't really like using that word, but what is your, I think, yes, we all try to, right? Do the best we can in balancing right. and juggling, but I just don't really think striving for that perfect balance is, is healthy either. Right. What so my, so here's my take. Now I use the word balance and a lot of stuff I do. And that's because balance is what everyone relates to. But Mm -hmm. truth be told, I don't believe in balance. Balance does not exist. And I always say, at least in the traditional state that people think of balance. Right. So people think of balance as everything equaling out. When to me, balance is one, a state of being. So it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I always tell people, strive for harmony and not balance. So that is my thing. Harmony and balance. I love that word. You have the, and I always paint the picture. You have the choir, you have the orchestra. One time in the choir that sopranos may be louder, the altos and tenor are quiet. Then it's time everybody's doing everything together. Then there may be a soloist and all of that. And that's how you start to think of life. So you have your family, you have your work, you have your business, you have your personal life. At one point in time, your family may require more of your attention. That doesn't mean you're taking anything away from your other roles of life. And at another point in time, you may have a deadline that you have to meet at work. So your work is going to require more of your attention, but you're not taking anything away from your family life. So what you're striving for is this state of feeling balanced. And that's going to be individual for everyone. So you get that harmony over balance. And then on the inside, you're like, okay, I feel at peace. I feel content. I feel everything is flowing together as it should. And that to me is how we should start to rethink balance in that sense of it's a state of being, a feeling that you're in. And it's that harmony that you have and know that things are going to flow. 
Yes. And That's as so Mimi said, ebbing and flowing. Ebbing and flowing. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. So I think helping parents get out of that state of mind is important because like you said, it's just an unattainable, unattainable thing. And then you're setting yourself up for disappointment and having un- those unrealistic expectations. And I think um, just setting up those expectations with your kids around self-care is important and having those conversations. So um, I'm not sure, like, um, how do you like set those expectations around self-care? So it's not a shock when your kids are like, wait, what the, what you need 10 minutes? Like, what are you doing? You're getting your nail, like whatever the case might be. Like, what, what do you do in your home? Well, let me tell you, when your kids get to be 12, 14, 21, they don't care anymore. (laughs) But what I will tell people is that one, I wish I started and knew, like you say, when you know better, you do better. So I wish I knew all this when they were younger so that when I started, it wasn't this big kind of culture shock. Yeah. But if you can start, you just really explain it to them. Because it's like, okay, you know that you have things, like your kids know they have things they like to do. So depending on how old your kids are, you can really break it down. You know how you enjoy doing X, Y, and Z. Well, mom likes to do da, 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 da. And so I'm going to go do this. And guess what? You're going to be okay. And when I come back, everything is going to be fine. But it's really having those conversations because then you're setting that example for your kids. But then I'll tell you, when, by the time they get 12, 14, like I said, they don't care. Those calls stop. So at one point in time, when I first started, when they were probably 7, 8, 9, 10, they would call me all the time. What are you doing? When are you coming back? Text that. But now, nobody nobody even knows if I'm gone. I really feel like that. Like, I'm like, oh, if they stop calling me, do they even care? So, but no, well, I really just think it's important to have the conversation. Just let them know what you're doing and... You'll be there by phone or whatever, but they, as long as they know that you are coming back, I think that is the thing, like with a lot of kids, with moms for some reason, and some with dads too, like when you leave, it's like, are you coming back? It's like, yes, I'm going to be back. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yes. So switching to that too, I think, you know, for parents who are married, you know, have a spouse, um, and just talking to your partner about setting those expectations to you, I think is very important because um, I think when that, that has to be communicated because um, especially for my husband, like I said, he just enjoys what he does. He's always bouncing around. Like he could work all day. I had to drag him away, you know, because it is just something that he, what he's doing right now, he enjoys it and he loves people. But I get to a certain point, where I can't. So, you know, there's, to an extent, I can keep it moving like that and go and go in sprints, but I know, and I can tell when I've neglected myself, when I feel worn out and I have to communicate that to my husband and say, look, I'm going to need to do, you know, go just get my nails in tomorrow, um, just for a second, for an hour and a half. So I'm not going to be home until eight. Can you, you know, I can get dinner started or whatever that, you know, can you do dinner? Just having those, that communication, I think, is important, too, so they know what you need for yourself and vice versa. How do you get, like, how has that been, like, with with within your uh, marriage? Well, I will say that I was the one that wasn't doing it. Like I said, I was bad off when it came to self. My husband would be the one telling me, look, you need to go do this. You need yes. to go, like, he would be the one pushing me to do stuff. And I was just bad. Like, I absolutely refused. So I think... The moment I really started actually doing it, he was kind of like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Like he was the one always pushing me. 
But I think it is communication is important because a lot of us, as I said, we're extremists. So we go from I'm not doing anything for myself at all to I am woman, hear me roar. I am all about self-care. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So we go from one extreme to the next. And it's like, no, it's that middle ground. And I think it's important to communicate, as you said, especially depending on your home environment. If your spouse is used to you being there all the time, you just really communication is everything in life. People cannot read your mind. And I know as much as we women or people in general like to think that people can read our mind, people can't read our mind. It's not their job to know what's going to make us happy and satisfied. So it's up to us to verbalize that and sit down and have that conversation. Okay, I can't keep going at this pace. This is affecting my mental health. Whatever it is, sit down and start the conversation because you'd be surprised how healthy a conversation will become. And can become. Yes. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's so important. And it's also important to, like you said, if, if like when your spouse is not really great at taking the time out and, do, and practicing self-care to encourage them to do so, because it's not just about me all the time. It's about, sorry guys. It's about, uh, see what, he's like, why are you shutting in this office? Um, for an hour, not looking Let at me. me. In. That's my three-year-old. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, it's important to encourage your your partner to do the same thing. I think, and not just be selfish about that. Because, um, I, like I said, for my husband, I really have to make him like I do. I'm like, listen, please, like, go, 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 do something. Mm-hmm. You know, have a little fun outside the home, take a break from work, just shut that off for a second. So what are some things that, like, I know when I can feel that I've neglected myself and I need to have self-care. Sorry if you can hear the crying in the background. Oh, life. That's right. Um, I got my dogs back here and I'm like, because of where I moved, I'm right next to the dogs. I'm like, they're making all kinds of noise. And stuff. I need a soundproof room. But um, what are some warning signs, I would say, of things that you need to look out for saying that you need to slow down? and start to reset and, and do self-care. Before you answer that question, everyone joining, hello. And if you will just comment in the comments, let us know what how you practice self-care. That will be great because we're going to have a Q&A um, toward the end as well. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, Lamont? I would say I think everyone is different, but I think a key indicator probably for everyone is if you find yourself where the littlest thing is getting on your nerves, where you just find yourself a little more short-fused, short-tempered, the smallest thing is irritating you, it may be time to check in and say, hey, I need to take care of myself. Because I know that's how I get. When I start to feel irritable, when I'm like, everything that everybody's doing, like to the point where, okay, why are you breathing so loud? Like things like that, <laughs> ridiculous. Like, okay, why is it? <laughs> like things that normally might bother you. Like, that's how you know, especially like with the spouse, if you're laying next to and you know, okay, I need a break from it. We've been around each other too. Long. Why are you breathing so loud? Like, those type of things. But, but yeah, but seriously, when you get to that point to where you just find yourself things that you normally would have patience for, you don't necessarily have the patience for, the way you respond to a request from someone, maybe a little bit more snappy than usual, then it might be time to say, okay, let me check in with myself. When's the last time I took some time for myself? Like those are indicators to me. Now other people can have different ones, but I think those are big ones because when you are worn out, when you're getting to that point of 
almost close to burnout because you're not taking care of yourself, it tends to manifest in that way of being irritable, being short fused, snappy, yeah. a little snappy at everybody because you're just like everybody's around her happy and I got nothing to give. So that's what I would say. Yes. Um, Jasmine says, hey, Jazz, self-care for me is just me time. Could be binging a show with my wine or getting my nails and hair done. Yes, I love that. That is so good. That's so good. And Lord knows I have like a million shows and they get caught up on. You hear me? So yeah. Why I'm up to you like sometimes because I'm like, it's quiet. I can actually watch my show real fast and then I want to watch another one. So. I got to schedule that. But anyway, um, yes, I love all the tips that you've given so far um, about just being intentional in the mindset around being able to do this, uh, practice self-care and everything. And um, one thing that I think is really important and that um, I've noticed is self-care in this idea is not a, um, it's something I feel like is, needs to be taught to our kids. Right. So, yes, they, if we're doing it and, and being consistent with it, also making it a teaching moment to let them understand self-care. And it's not just for parents. You know, they can start practicing, practicing self-care at a very young age. Um, have you uh, how have you encouraged your kids to to practice self-care? I would say one thing that really kind of became important in my household is like the boundaries thing. I'm big on boundaries. and I think boundaries do a lot with self-care and really teaching my kids to recognize each other's boundaries. So, yes, you're used to, especially my two girls, you're used to being together all the time. But it was harder for like my younger one to accept my older one didn't want to kind of play and all those kind of things. It became that teaching moment. And those are like the self-care modes you could teach. Okay, she may not want to play right now, or it may not be a good time. This is why you're arguing because you both need a break. So it's that thing of, it doesn't mean that she doesn't want to play with you. It doesn't mean that she doesn't like you or whatever it is that you may think. It's just the fact of she needs a break. So we're going to start recognizing, I didn't call them boundaries with them, but that's basically what it is. Recognizing when the other person kind of needs that time and then giving them that time and respecting that time. And I think that's the hard thing to teach with kids because they're so used to always wanting to play, always wanting to be together that when one kind of pulls back or they both kind of pull back, it's like, okay, what is happening? And their brains aren't understanding that, but it's really using it as a teaching moment to say, this is what's going on here. She wants to go over here and do this thing right now by herself. And that is okay. And so it's hard at first. But as they grow and as they evolve, they start to understand, then they all start to get kind of their own separate things that they like to do. So now one of my girls enjoys dancing and all that. The other one is listening to music and all, but they all have their own kind of thing that they do. But it starts with, to me, setting those boundaries and showing them how those boundaries kind of work out in real life. That kind of sets the path for recognizing when someone is practicing self-care because you're not crossing that boundary they have. That is so good. That's so good. And I like how you said, you know, helping your kids identify what that looks like when self-care needs to be incorporated into their lives. It's going to look different for children, like you said, but I think it's so important to start teaching your kids at a very young age, what that looks like, how to do it and that it's acceptable, you know, to do it. Um, to take care of yourself and recognizing those really important boundaries because 
all of that, again, is taught at a very young age. And the adults that struggle with it, I can quickly see that it's it's a skill set and they just have never been taught, taught it properly. Right. right? Exactly. For me, yeah. So I was a late bloomer in self-care too, because my mom, I love her, but she did not teach me self-care. I never saw her do it. I saw her stomping around mad and aggravated, not knowing what, what was, what did I do to you? You know, like that's just the observation that you see as a kid and it is what it is and it's okay. But looking back at it, that's a, a teaching moment and a learning moment for me to help and remind myself, okay, my kids are three and four, but I can start this process already. You know, like right. so when they start picking at each other and start beating each other up because they're boys and that's all they do. They just kick and <laughs> want to wrestle. So, but just helping them understand what that is and that's okay, you know? Right. And even helping them with understanding a no, because how many of us as adults are uncomfortable struggle with saying no. Yep. And that's because we were raised and taught that you, the underlying thing was not to tell anybody no, but even giving them that power to say no and decline things, that's helping with building self-care right there because they grow up knowing, okay, it's okay for me to say no to something that I don't want to do or something that is not going to, that I just don't enjoy. So I think that's even a good part when starting self-care, you don't, it's not called self-care when you're teaching them the power of their no, but that is an important step, especially as you get older to recognizing that it's okay to say no and you don't have to give an excuse. You can just say no and leave it at that. Yeah. That saying no leads to the self-care because instead of trying to fill up your plate with the busy and the nonsense, um, I think it makes it easier to say no. So you have more time for yourself and not feel the guilt and the shame and everything that comes around with it. Um, Kirby, my, yeah, Mimi, my mom was exhausted. Yes. You know, and that's one thing too, that I think is so important, but kind of links to saying no is, um, you were on a live a couple of days ago and I loved what you said. And I wrote this down cause I wanted you to address our friends today about busy versus productive. And, I think self-care lumps into that too, because a lot of times we think we have to um, be superwoman and say yes to everything to show that we can, but that's not not necessarily the healthiest thing to do. And we do it anyways to prove a point or like I said, just have that image and persona of superwoman and correlating busy with successful when really that's the total opposite. So I really would love for you to hit on that too. Yeah, so I always teach about productivity versus being busy. Like we wear busyness with this badge of honor. And it's real, there's no badge of honor in being busy because you're not always accomplishing things because you are busy. There is a big difference between busy work and productive work. Productive, you are working towards goals. You have deadlines, whatever it is. Busy means I'm just doing a whole bunch of stuff. I have a whole lot of stuff on my plate and I'm just going, going, going. And the thing I said in my live is that a lot of people that are busy and pride themselves on busy, we stay busy because we're running from something. There is usually some type of unresolved trauma. There's some baggage, or if we want to call it that. There is something that we don't want to deal with, whether it's from our past, childhood, more current, whatever it is. There is something in us that makes us pride ourselves on busy because when we slow down and sit with ourselves, then it's like, okay, I have to address that stuff. And I don't want to hit on that stuff because it hurts. So we stay busy and it's like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I can't do this. I'm busy. Oh, I can't do that. I'm busy. But it's like, what are you busy with? You're running around 
driving yourself ragged because you don't want to sit down and it's too painful. It hurts. It does. Yes. A lot of yes. it, because I was a busy person before once. Because yeah. I didn't want to sit with myself because it hurts. Nobody wants to sit down and say, oh, I have some issues I need to deal with. But the thing is, if you stay busy, if you keep running from the trauma and you don't deal with it, you're going to run forever. So then it becomes that thing of, okay, how can I switch off busy? Because I want to be productive. I want to reach goals. I want to achieve some type of success. But if I'm running around and busy doing these same circles, I'm going to keep running, running, running because I have to stop. I can't outrun my trauma. No matter how much you try to outrun trauma, you can't. You have to face it eventually. So the thing is, I always tell people, and that's why I like doing the work that I do and having my trauma background and learning about trauma-informed care, a lot of people don't realize that it's our trauma that impacts how we address things in our lives. So our trauma is going to impact our productivity. Yep. So when, whether it's something super painful, something small, it could be something as simple as, because people always think of like the most catastrophic things as trauma, but something as simple as being a military child moving around a lot, that can be a trauma. If we don't address those things, then we're not going to get to our productivity. And the goal is to be a productive person, not a busy person, because a busy person is tired and worn out. A productive person has reached some goals. They have time left for themselves in their day and they are accomplishing things. So I always tell people, let go of that idea of busy. We live in this busy culture where busy and hustle is awarded, but there really is no award in that. We have to deal with our issues. We have to face ourselves. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. But if you want to stop running in the same circle, if you want to reach those goals, you got to let go of the busyness, figure out how you need to go through your issues, whether it's therapy, whatever it is that you need to do, start to heal. Because when you start to heal, then you can start to move forward and advance your goals and advance your productivity. So that to me, that's the biggest difference between being busy and being productive. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that because it's just such a great perspective. And Mama Kelly Chaos says, you've got to heal yourself to heal your quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And guys, we have about 15 minutes left. So as um, I wrap up some final thoughts, go ahead and start putting some questions in the comments that we can ask Luan if you have any. But you guys have been amazing. Thank you for all the comments and the hearts. We really appreciate you guys and the gifts. This has been a blessing. And um, Luan, this conversation has been phenomenal. And I know it's been blessed since the parents on here tonight. So, um, but one thing that you said is like, you know, with the busy and running around, it's all distractions, right? And what sometimes I think parents forget is that we don't teach by verbal lessons. Most of the time we're teaching by actions. And when our kids are seeing us be, you know, distracting ourselves constantly being busy, that is a form of chaos. And we are teaching our kids to live life in a chaotic manner. And that is not healthy. It's not healthy in a lot of ways. And, but they're going to live and mimic their lives the way that we are living our lives and raising them, jumping from thing to thing, chaos, always forgetting stuff, you know, rushing here, rushing there, late here, late there. And, you know, I understand when the bigger your family is, the more you have going on. I have four kids and all of my children are involved in activity. But here is where we draw the lines and set the boundaries so we are not living in a chaotic state. I do the bare minimum when it comes to activities with my kids. And the reason why is it's already, there's four kids. I, I, there's only so much time in a day, in a season to do everything um, and be able to give each child 
a, a way, a, an opportunity to thrive in their gifts and the things that they have in their lives. Cause I, I think that has to be supported, but I do not let my son who is 17 do a season, a sport every season, just to be doing something. Absolutely not. And there was a time and a lot of parents won't agree with that and that's okay. But there was a time where uh, we have to groom our kids and get them focused and out of the busy, just because it's not, you can do it and we have the resources, you don't need to be doing it. So for him, for as I'm going to use him as an example, we said, okay, what do you want to do after high school, right? You've been playing baseball, dabbling in football, but like, what is the end game? What are you trying to accomplish after these four years? Because that is what you need to put your energy and time and resources into the next four years of your life, because that is what is going to be the fruit of your upon graduation and not all these things that I've done. And now what? Like, so the focus for him is football. And there are things that we have put in place for him to just focus on that, to be successful, not doing five different sports that he's never going to play again. Right. And that helps cut down on the chaos and helping them understand balance, harmony (laughs) and their own life and getting off the crazy train. Um, So I think that's just really important, too. It is. It's very important. And I was that mom who, when my kids were young, like I said, I was in that busy phase because I didn't want to deal with stuff. So I was the opposite of what you're doing now. Like when you, if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. But I had, my son was in every single sport when he was younger. My girls were doing dance. I was in on all these different committees and things at church and all of that because I was priding myself on being busy and it was so much stuff that I didn't want to deal with. But then when I got to the point of, okay, I'm completely burnt out at my come to Jesus meeting and surrendering flat on my face, it was like, hey, you can't do this anymore. And that's when I started to put things into place. So it's great that you're able to do that. And that is what I do now. My girls have their activities that they're in. Everybody's in basketball now. So that is what we're doing. Everyone's into that. They have become basketball players. My son played basketball. That became our focus, but it is. And it's, even going beyond our kids, it's as ourselves saying, okay, just because I'm good at something doesn't mean I have to do it. And that is what I've learned to tell people when they're like, oh, you could do this. Oh, you could do that. Yes, I can, but I'm not going to. The thing is when you're good at something, people want you to volunteer for everything. And we feel that, oh, because we're good at it, we should, but no, put your boundaries in place. Think about your self-care, fill your plate with things that you want to do, because as long as you're filling your plate with stuff that other people want you to do, you're going to start to feel miserable again. So just start saying no. That yes. is a simple, start saying no. That's one way you can start to get that self-care. <laughs> so yes. I start, and don't give excuses. We like to give excuses. When people say, what is one way I could practice self-care right now if I walk away from this, but I don't do anything else? Tell somebody no. And then when you yes. tell them no, think about how you're saying yes to yourself. And don't give an excuse because we want to say, no, I can't because, no, just say no. They don't need to know. They don't need to know. They don't. I was the worst. Greg, my husband, jumped back on here. Um, He could tell you, I was the worst at always feeling like I had to explain myself. Why? Why do we do that? Like, explaining myself to justify. And like you said, you don't need to. The answer is no. Thank you. Have a great day. (laughs) And we feel that we have to. It's this thing in us where we feel we have to explain. And the thing is, people are so used to other people explaining that it kind of catches them off guard when they're like, well, can you? And you're like, no, I can't do that at this time. And they're like sitting there waiting for you to say why. It's like, I don't have a reason why. No, I'm just not going to do it. 
and it throws people off. But more yeah. and more people, it's nothing wrong with saying no. Absolutely. Yes, I, I agree, Brandy. <laughs> what did Brandy say? I missed. She said spent her whole twenties doing everything people wanted her to do. I agree. I got to be twenty. I think it was like twenty eight when I was like, okay, something's got to give. Twenty eight, twenty nine. And I think that goes back to you as well, because I was the same way of proving a point. I was not going to be statistic either. I was going to kill myself getting this little degree hanging behind me for what? That was like, for what? Like I wore myself out. I was so little. I was sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted. It was miserable. All I remember from getting my college degree and getting it done with two kids was how miserable that I was because mm-hmm. I was trying to make my parents happy and prove to everyone else because I was a young mom that I was going to be working at McDonald's. Exactly. That's what I did. I got two. I got two degrees. <laughs> so I know. I got two. And I had, what's crazy part is, each time I got a degree, I had a child. So when I graduated with my bachelor's, I had my second. I graduated high school, I had my son. Got my bachelor's, I have my second child. I got my master's, I have my third. But it's the same thing. Now it's like, why do I have all that for these pieces of paper? And it's just like you said, because we were young moms, it was that thing of, I am going to prove people wrong. And once we hit 28, 29, it's like, wait a minute, what happened to my life? And I think even if you're not a young mom, I feel like a lot of people have that revelation at 28, 29. I don't know what it is that we're almost 30. Everybody starts questioning, there has to be more to life than this. Yeah. And that's just where I was. And I'm like you, I killed myself basically to get these two degrees. Now it's like, why? Why do I feel I had to prove myself? (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many other ways, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's societal. It's, you know, the expectation that you carry and the burden that you put on yourself from like what you think your parents want you to do, everybody else, what success that the world says, what success looks like and trying to live up to those things. Um, And if I always, always, and I still am this way, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, but in the younger years, going about it, just the whole incorrect way, right? The unhealthy way. So, and I will say that just, or I'm just going to say just as encouragement when we talk about, because we've been talking a lot about kids and all. So just to throw some encouragement that the work we do is not in vain. My son went to college freshman and sophomore year and then he was able to say at the end of his sophomore year, like, this is not for me. He's like, I did it because everybody else wanted me to do it, X, Y, and Z. Like, these were conversations that I was never able to have at 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. I was yeah. not able to have those conversations. So I say all that to say, don't discount the example that you're setting for your children. It's like, now he's decided, okay, I want to go back and finish. But he got to that point. He was like, I, it's not for me. And the fact that he was able to come to me and say that, I appreciated that so much. And then in having this conversation with you, it kind of clicked. He was able to do something at 1920 that I was not able to do. So it's like, okay, parents, the stuff that we do, the examples that we're setting, know that it's not in vain. So that just came to me as we were talking. (laughs) No, and that's great. And it's also breaking those generational cycles. Yeah, it is. It's breaking those generational cycles of being able to open your mouth. And and not be scared and worried exactly. about any judgments or whatnot. Um, yes, because the same common themes. A lot of young, you know, 19, 20 year old moms. I had to prove I didn't mess up. My a whole broken family and guilt. Mm-hmm. A whole broken family. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to prove that I was 
a good mother beyond my mistakes. Yes, all that. We carry that. And that's the driving force when that should not really be the driving force because it doesn't matter. It's our life, right? We have to do what's best for us and not be working and running ourselves ragged for everybody else. Yes. Yeah. So we do have a few minutes left. This has been such an awesome conversation. Y'all, throw some um, questions in the comments if you have any questions for Lawan before we wrap up. While everyone's doing that, Lawan, I want you to let us know how we can get connected with you for your More Than a Mother podcast. Like, how can we get connected on that? All right. So you guys can all find More Than a Mother podcast. It is on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get podcasts, you can find it there. You can also go to my website, LawanMoses.com, and you can be linked to the website there. If you click on my TikTok and are following me there, there's a link in the bio. If you hit the link in the bio, you'll see my podcast art. You can click there and get to it or go to my Instagram. Everything is LaVon Moses, so you can easily find me wherever you want to. That's amazing. I'm so glad. Yes, I have listened to a couple, and I it's a great podcast, you guys. So definitely check her out. Um, I am a new podcaster. I just started my podcast at the beginning of the year as a brainchild of things that I put off for a very long time, self-care, that I made excuses for. And um, so you can find mine, too. I see a collab coming. I wrote down some things that we're going to talk about offline that I would love to have you on as a guest because you have just been a blessing. Um, If you, friends, if you have felt like the one has blessed you tonight with some kind of nugget, just hit that screen, like it, because I feel like she has dropped so many encouraging tips that we can all walk away from tonight and start incorporating into our lives. So Um, I love that. And I really do appreciate you being here on a Friday evening and going into the weekend. Um, I don't think anyone has any questions. Does anyone have any questions that you want Luan to address around self-care? Okay. What is your closing tip that you would have Luan as we wrap up and going into the weekend? I would say going into the weekend, and it's perfect that this is on the weekend, (laughs) if you have not practiced self-care at all, I am challenging you to do at least one thing for yourself this weekend. So you have two days, you have Saturday and you have Sunday. (laughs) It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but do one thing, one thing for yourself. And I guarantee you will feel so much better. Even if it's sitting on the couch, binge watching a show, reading a book, do one thing for yourself. And I guarantee that one thing, you can start to turn it into a habit and repeating it over and over until you start to form that self-care habit. But it all starts with just the action of doing one thing. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Everyone, thank you so much for being on. Lawan, thank you, friend. It's so nice getting to know you more. I love following you. I will continue to. And we'll definitely be having some more conversations off this live. But everybody, thank you so much for being on tonight and joining on this conversation. Have a great, great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To join these conversations, connect with coaching team members on TikTok, where you can register for these free live events every week. You can also find us on Instagram and join the coaching team members community, a growing group of over 5,000 parents on Facebook.